At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. The first thing, right, you have to make sure that you're building the right audience because somebody can go buy 100,000 followers and they're not going to get any sales, right? Because those customers, they're not really yours. They were bought, right? So it has to start with actually building your audience. Make sure you're building the audience um, that matches your ideal customer, right? Um, And you have to make sure that you're consistently providing them value, consistently engaging with them. And especially for me, like in my brands, being transparent really helps because people don't want to buy from a company. People want to buy from a person, right? So if you insert yourself into your brand and you connect with your customers, and this is one of the reasons why I love, you know, live videos, live content so much, um, they start to like you as a person. And then it goes back to what I said before, you know, I'm not here to sell you something. I'm here to help you buy it. Like you become like they, they start looking for you, right? They start going your social media to see like what you're up to and what you're doing And then if you have like a strong enough connection with your audience, you can almost sell them anything. On the way to the top floor, I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, must motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a play. On the way. Motivation for all the real, On the way. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you're too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. What's up, y'all? So the Millionaire Mindsets team has relaunched our tech subscription service. So it's a platform that sends out motivational texts every day, updates on the podcast, info on investing in real estate, saving tips, and all updates regarding the Millionaire Mindsets podcast. To subscribe, text MMPOD to 24251. Again, to subscribe, text MMPOD to 24251. What's up, y'all? This episode is sponsored by Park Hill Consulting Services. If you're interested in learning how to purchase your first investment property or you need some help getting your finances in order so that you can purchase your first investment property, just contact us at www.parkhillconsultantservices.com and we can get you started. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of this episode. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and letting you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it.
you guys welcome to another episode of the millionaire mindsets podcast my name is deanna kent and i'm sitting here with my co-host xavier miller what's up what's up everybody and today we have a very very special guest we have the great miss caroline lawless she is the queen of e-commerce yes. and she about to drop a whole bunch of gems on y'all today a whole bunch so welcome to the show yeah. caroline Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally be on here with you guys. Yeah, thank you for coming. You know, this, this has been a, and a, this has been a works. It been in the works for a while. We super excited. You know, you came out to sack. We had a ball. We consider mm-hmm. you. We consider you like family now. We can't wait to link up again in a couple Absolutely. months. So yep. we don't March. Need, yeah, yep, March. March coming soon. Yeah. Coming soon. Yo, I know I'm counting <laughs> it down. <laughs> so yeah, we about to, we about to have a, we gonna have a ball. And, uh, mm-hmm. So the, just getting right into the podcast, the first question we always ask our guests is: So it's everything you're doing right now, what was the start today? Just giving a little background on yourself. So the very start, I'd have to say, was about um, seventh grade, um, about 2004, 2005 for me. Um, that's when I really started getting heavy into computers and um, I started learning to code on MySpace. I always mm-hmm. wanted to have like the littest profile out of everybody. <laughs> so I always had like the, um, I would use Photoshop to like custom design everything. And the journey kind of started from there. Wow. wow. So what was it like um, pretty much like starting on MySpace? Like, can you just dive deeper into like how that kind of really got you started? Yeah, so first it was just um, designing my own profiles. So like I wanted to figure out how to have like a a, um, floating text box, for example, instead of having just like a hundred lines of like information about me or like my shout outs to my friends. You know, I'd go on MySpace and, you know, try to figure out like, okay, how can I write code to create like a scroll box? Mm -hmm. Or how can I write code to have my pictures run diagonally instead of vertically? So first it was just learning the code for myself so that I could get my profile to look exactly how I wanted it. Um, And then eventually, you know, people started reaching out to me like, oh, my gosh, how did you do this? Can you help me do it on my page? Um, And then that led into me creating um, like, I guess, a business MySpace page, which they didn't even have at the time. You know, I just (laughs) created a regular MySpace account. Um, I accumulated, you know, thousands and thousands of friends on there, and I was just giving everything away for free. That's when I started creating, you know, themed layouts and, you know, giving out codes that people could copy and paste into their own stuff. And then that was kind of the segue into me, like, learning Photoshop from, um, you know, I started with code first, and then I became, you know, really proficient in Photoshop. And then eventually that led into me selling um like digital invitations and stuff like that. Um, But we can probably get into that a little bit Mm -hmm. later. So like for somebody who's trying to find the best way to, let's start off with dropshipping, but like kind of kick it off. What platforms or like, how do they go about finding the right one to get started? Like what requirements they should look for in the dropshipping company? So I actually, um, I'm not a big fan of dropshipping personally, Mm -hmm. just because I'm a big fan of creating a connection with your customer, um, you know, um, customer retention, getting them to come back and shop with you over and over again. And one of the things that I don't like with dropshipping is you have no control over the box that your customer is going to open, right? I'm a big fan of bundling products, creating kits, 
if I have a sale on my website and you buy, you know, let's say five items from me, if I'm drop shipping, you might receive that in five different boxes from five different warehouses. You're going to be like, what's going on? Everything's going to be packaged differently. Mm-hmm. So I don't really like that because, you know, it comes off as like, you know, inconsistent, kind of unprofessional. Now, um, I will tell anybody who has like an e-commerce store, you can absolutely add on some drop shipped items to supplement your um, like regularly fulfilled items. And then, you know, I'll just tell my customers like, hey, I have this tab on my website where those items come directly from the manufacturer and then they don't even think twice about it. So if you're already fulfilling something yourself, um, it's not really a big deal for you to tell your customers, hey, I have a couple things that's going to be coming directly from the manufacturer because they already, um, they already trust you and they already have that connection with you. But um, to go back and answer your question, um, you asked like what platforms I recommend they begin with. So for somebody that does want to get into drop shipping, um, I'll always recommend Shopify because that's my favorite e-commerce platform. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit later on about the platforms that I started with and how I eventually settled on Shopify. But um, they have an app called Oberlo, which is where you would connect um, items on AliExpress. And that's just one of the websites that you can use to find dropshippers. Um, Oberlo is the middleman that connects AliExpress suppliers and items with your personal website. Okay. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. See, I, I, I never heard that perspective as far as uh, dropshipping, but it makes sense because that is it's it's pros and cons that come with it. So you, so you pretty much pro doing it in house, doing it yourself. Yes. Yep. And I prefer it that way because then, you know, I have complete control over what my customer sees when they open the box. And especially right now, like, you know, millennials, we love that whole unboxing experience. And, you know, we want to feel special when we open something up. We want to know that, you know, they took the time to pack that together for us. So, you know, I'll do special little things here and there, whether it's custom tissue paper, you know, it's not as expensive as a lot of people might think. You know, just to get custom tissue paper with like your logo on it or your store's name, um, you know, custom tape sometimes maybe. And one of my favorite things, I use canva.com to create like index card sized flyers and I'll switch it up every month and I'll say, you know, thank you so much for your order. Here's 25% off next time. And I love creating like a custom hashtag where my customers can go upload like a photo of their product. Um, you know, drop it on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, wherever you're marketing on, give them that hashtag. And then to take it a step further, what I do is I'll tell people, you know, hey, I'm going to pick someone every month to win a $100 gift card. So make sure you're tagging your pictures with this hashtag. And then, you know, people love to win stuff for free. So they're going to go ahead and, you know, tag their products, show their friends. And then once a month, I make sure to go back through the hashtag, select the winner, and then I actually feature it on my website as social proof, you know, to show people that, hey, like, I'm really picking winners, you can go ahead and participate, and you might win also. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Something, uh, something I want to talk about, and it's something that you spoke on, on the, at at the conference, and we was talking about scaling, and you were saying how, because oftentimes right now, you'll hear the conversation is like, scale quickly as possible, scale like ASAP, but you brought a different perspective, like, from experience with your business, saying like, y'all was scaling so fast that pretty much y'all was like running out of money. Do you mind just going, just going into that for a second for the people that wasn't privy enough to hear the conversation? Yeah. So, um, 
you know, like you said, a lot of times people are just focused on growing as fast as possible. They want to get as much revenue as they can. But you have to remember that in most cases, right, I won't say in all cases, because, you know, if you're hands off, just completely drop shipping, you're not really, um, you don't really have as many expenses as somebody like myself with, you know, a physical warehouse, employees, you know, a whole team, like a whole operation. Um, but it's important to remember that, you know, if you have, let's say a thousand orders one month, and then you grow to 2000 orders the following month, you doubled your revenue, but you also doubled your cost. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times people don't realize how expensive it is to grow, right? So you might have, um, I don't know, let's say like a $10,000 week, right? But then um, your expenses, you know, it might be, you know, $15,000 for your rent or, and these are just numbers I'm throwing out there. You know, I don't right. necessarily, I'm sorry, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. If you normally do, you know, $5,000 in a weekend and you have a sale and you do $10,000, that's going to double your product cost. It's going to double your employee time in fulfilling those products, right? Because like with me, we produce our products in-house. Right. So one of the problems that we had, um, and I, this is one of the things that I mentioned during the conference, um, especially during um, a Black Friday sale that we had in 2018, we were like, okay, you know, we have the potential to make a lot of money, you know, six figures during this sale. So we went ahead and we turned our inventory levels off. And we just were like, whatever we sell, we're going to produce. So now I've, that was a very expensive lesson for me to learn. And I don't think I will ever sell anything again before it's been produced. And that's why, you know, I really recommend that people have their fulfillment area completely set up with all of their products ready to go. So when you have, you know, an order that you need to fulfill, um, you already know what all your inventory levels are. You can just go pick it, pack it. But in our situation, what was happening was, um, you know, if I sold a thousand of one item, my team hadn't produced that item yet. So we were going and producing after the fact. And then what, what might happen is, um, you know, the product might be sold out from our normal supplier. So then we would have to go and purchase it, you know, on a whim last minute from a different supplier and the price is now higher and we didn't account for that in the sales that we already had. Or, um, you know, because we didn't have everything produced yet, there might be a type of delay for one reason or another. And now we have angry customers because we promised, you know, we promised two, three day shipping and now we can't align with that anymore. So, um, yeah, I've just definitely learned a lot of lessons with like the really fast growth and I'm definitely not in a rush to grow anymore because I've, I've learned that, um, if you grow faster than what you're ready for, it will be like detrimental to the success of your company. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. It makes, it makes perfect sense. And, uh, another, another question I know people might ask is how do you know, uh, like how do you pick which products are you going to sell? How do you know it's a good product? So I'll tell anybody that asks me this question, don't think about it too much, right? Because the product that I started selling a long time ago, my very first e-commerce product um, was about 2015 to 2016, right? And the product that I started selling back then, I don't even sell that anymore, Right. So I tell people, don't think about it too much. Like your first store is really just getting your feet wet, figuring everything out. You don't really necessarily want to try to invent something new, something revolutionary. And I don't even recommend inventing anything unless you have, 
you know, the money to throw behind patents and trademarks and copyrights. And, you know, to be honest, not everybody starting in e-commerce has to or wants to do all that or has the funds to do all that. So I just tell them, you know, look at the people that you know, like look at the people that you connect with, that you identify with, the people that you can easily have a conversation with in person. What are those people buying, right? Because I'm a big fan of like inserting yourself into your brand, into your company, connecting with your customers, creating a community around it. So just pick a group of people that you like and figure out like, what are these people buying, right? So the stats are incredible. Like 2 billion people will buy something online every year, right? And I heard something once that really like put it into perspective for me. So a million seconds is 11 days. Um, a billion seconds is 31 years, right? So that kind of gives you some perspective into how much 2 billion people is. That's the amount of people that will buy something online this year, right? So like, what are they buying? They're buying clothes, they're buying shoes, they're buying baby things, they're buying accessories, they're buying makeup, they're buying purses, they're buying, you know, chargers, they're buying, you know, travel gear, just think about, you know, 100 people that you know, what kind of things do they buy? Create a store, don't think about it too much and just get moving, you know? You'll get ideas, you'll get inspired, you'll think of new products to add to the lineup. You might sell that company, you might dissolve that company, you'll have better ideas down the line, but just don't think about it too much. Mm. So with that being said, let me let me ask you this. So which which do you think is more important? Do you think having a good product or good marketing? Or e-com? Definitely the marketing. Okay. And I only say this, but you know, it's very important to have a quality product. Because right, at right. the end of the day, um, people are more likely to leave a review on a bad product or a bad experience than a good one, right? right? So you have to make sure that people are happy, that you're not scamming people. I always say, you know, under promise, over deliver. But with that being said, you know, I've seen people sell the same exact product. It happens all the time when you start becoming a little more well-versed in e-commerce, you know, like Fashion Nova and Rainbow, they sell the same exact stuff. Fashion Nova gets praised for it. Rainbow gets, you know, people knock them and it's the same stuff. They have the same exact suppliers. It's just, you know, the way that Fashion Nova is using like curvy girls and they're like portraying this specific image. They're using influencers. Rainbow isn't really doing that, right? So that's a perfect example of how, you know, the marketing elevated a product that's the exact same as what another company is selling. So for um, like someone who's new to e-commerce and just getting started with their store, what things should they be focusing on for their marketing budget like what key things should they be putting their money towards to kind of get things going so my my strategy right like the thing that I'm the biggest on is connecting with your connecting with and building your community right so my biggest thing I always tell people um, you know first invest in your website right because a lot of times people won't have a website that's up to par and they'll just think, okay, I'm going to throw $1,000 behind an ad. Please don't do that because you're going to throw your money away. Like you need to look at your pictures and be impressed by them, right? Like we used to have, like, we called them like marketing orgasms. Like we would get our photos back from the photographer and be like, oh my God, like you need to be like impressed by your photos. If you're not, your customers won't be right. So first and foremost, it matters. Like make sure your photos are on point. Your website is on point. After that, 
my favorite thing is Facebook videos and creating like a Facebook community around your product. Now, you know, a lot of people are not fans of creating a Facebook community. You can definitely, you know, create your community on Instagram. You can go live on Instagram, but um, I love using live videos to, um, you know, push the product. And just to give you guys an example, um, earlier today, I was talking to a few people about a brand that I'm helping my niece start. And um, she's actually going to be selling slime, right? And um, her marketing tactic that she's going to use is she already does this, right? She already plays with slime, creates it. She's just going to be filming from above and then uploading her content onto Instagram. And she's going to be going live on Facebook, selling like the slime kits. And she's just going to be like, you know, hey guys, today I'm creating this Valentine's Day slime kit. And whatever she creates that day, she's going to be selling on her website. And one of the things that I absolutely love about Facebook um, lives is people can share them on their timeline with their family and friends. And you never know how many people that that person sharing is going to be able to um, connect you with, right? Mm -hmm. So I always recommend, you know, having really good lighting, a really good background. Don't be, you know, like joking around too much. Try to keep it professional. But on brand, you know, some people have like a funnier brand voice and that's fine. Just be authentic with whatever aligns with your brand. And um, you know, offer to share or um, invite your audience that's watching to share your video in exchange, in exchange, sorry, to win a product for free. And y'all will be surprised at how many people will share the video because people love to win free stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that's just like the, that's hands down my absolute favorite way of like marketing my products day to day. But of course, you know, you want to have an email list you want to have a text message list. Those two are huge for me. They convert so much. Um, you want to have an Instagram presence. Me personally, for my companies, um, Twitter doesn't really align with the e-commerce brands that I have. So I'm actually not on Twitter for them. But one of my favorite things also to utilize is um, like influencers and affiliate bloggers. So I haven't had to do a lot of um, Pinterest work myself because I work with bloggers that have their own Pinterest strategy. So that's something that I look out for when I'm putting together my affiliate team. Mm, okay, okay. And something that you mentioned multiple times was you talking about you talked about community and building a community. Mm -hmm. And that and that term is used a lot in the, these days. And a lot of times people don't really give a definition. So I know when people some people probably hear that they may be thinking like, what the fuck? Like, okay, so how do I what I got to do, how do I build a community for what I'm doing? How do I build a community for my brand? And so what would your tips be to people that, that want to know how to build a community for what they're doing? So I'm going to give you um, an example of the very first, well, one of the first like real communities that I created. So um, back in 2016, when I still had my sales job, I knew, um, you know, I wanted to get out of that. I couldn't do the 12 hour days anymore. So I decided that I was going to learn how to do makeup and I was going to become a makeup artist. So what I did was, um, you know, I was on Instagram seeing like the little makeup tutorials and there was like this whole community of girls on Instagram. I wanted to create that on Facebook because I knew like I had friends that were into makeup. You know, I had friends that would want to come hang out with me, watch a live video, watch me, you know, do my makeup, learn from me. But on Facebook, like I would always see, you know, the same negativity, people sharing memes over and over. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to create a group and I'm going to invite people that I know are into makeup. So 
that's how that started um, for me back in 2016. And very, very quickly, you know, um, people started inviting their own friends that were interested in makeup. And, you know, I would host giveaways, like whoever adds the most people will win a $50 Sephora gift card. And before we knew it, we had over 3000 people in there. And, um, you know, I was very strict with the rules of the group. So like absolutely no negativity. So people would start spending time in this group because they loved that it was like positive vibes only. It kind of became like, um, I don't know, like a girlfriend's club, like when like girls go out and they're drunk and they run into other girls in the bathroom and they're like so nice to each other. That was the kind of community that we created in there. And it worked well because it was people that were interested in all the same stuff. So for me, like creating a community, you can have several different communities that you're part of, right? And I do, like I have my community of people, you know, that are into makeup. I have um, a home decor group, actually. So I have a community of people. We only talk about home decor, you know, like DIY budgeting, like tips and tricks for the house, organizational secrets. I have an entrepreneur group on Facebook where, you know, most recently I started going live and reading books. Like I do story time, you know, I basically told them like, if y'all are not going to read, I'm going to read to you. Like we're going to do this together. Most recently, you know, my Twitter community that I found, you know, you guys like, so you can definitely be part of more than one community. Just, you know, take that initiative, be like, what type of group do I want to spend my time in? You know, and you either join one that's already out there or you do what I did and, you know, you start your own. If you don't see, um, you know, the type of people that you want to be around because they're out there. You just have to, you know, connect with them. And I would say, you know, just connect with the ones that you know, even if it's just, you know, five or 10 and eventually it'll start, it'll become like a trickle effect where people will start adding, you know, people that they know belong to that same community as well. That's really cool how that all like pretty much just came about for you. And I, one thing I really love is that like you're always on brand, but you're really conscious of how you interact with people. And that's like a really big thing when it comes to like kind of growing your brand and just having good customer service overall, just like knowing how to engage with people the right way. Mm -hmm. But something you said while you were here last week is that if it doesn't align with your brand, you don't speak on it. Like right. it has to, you know, make sense with your overall goals. So can you mm -hmm. kind of dive deeper into why it is you feel, feel that's important to move that way? Yeah. So um, I think that conversation initially came about, um, I believe when we were talking about growing like our presence on Twitter mm -hmm. and I've had um, like wild growth on there last February, I only had 500 followers. And this morning I just reached 17,000. So thank you. <laughs> so it's just crazy that in a year, you know, 16,500 people have followed me in one year. Um, in one year, right? Less than a year, because we're still in January. I started for President's Day last February. So it's been like 11 months. Um, and I just think, you know, when it comes to growing your community or growing your presence online, you have to determine like, what am I going to talk about, right? So for me, like I talk about e-commerce, I talk about money, I talk about business marketing. So, you know, I think it's important to be your authentic self and, you know, sprinkle other little parts of your life in there, but you have to focus on, I would say like 80 to 90%, keep it like whatever your core topics are, right? So for me, it's those topics that I just mentioned, you know, I might throw in like a couple tweets about my kids or, you know, about like, 
um, a good wine I'm having that night or like dinner that I'm having, or, you know, I might share something that I'm frustrated about because people connect to that. You know, a lot of times too, like my tweets are me like talking to myself too. And I'm like, you know, I would say this to somebody else. So let me go ahead and just tweet it out there because I know people are going to identify with it. But, um, you know, I wouldn't tweet about like wrestling, for example, or like I wouldn't necessarily tweet about like sports because I know people are not following me for that. Like they don't like they probably really don't care my opinion on that. (laughs) I'm going to let like them follow the people that are into that stuff and get their opinion on it. And that also trickles into whatever, um, wherever your community is, you know, if you're not tweeting, if you're not building on Twitter, just consider like, you know, what are the topics that you bring to the table and try to keep it like 90% that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree completely with that. Is it, is, it's, uh, I feel like that's a, that's a key, key, I don't want to say skill, but that's a, one of the core things with branding yourself, especially on Twitter is just staying on whatever your, your uh, course or lane you want to call it is, you know what I mean? It's, sometimes people get on there. Like I was just at an event the other day and uh, these people, they was talking about how can they build their brand and get an audience on Twitter. And I'm like, the thing with Twitter is that's not a platform where you can have this, like a hoarder's mentality where you're mm-hmm. thinking about who's going to steal some of your ideas or uh, some of the shit you say, because it'll show like, you got to just be open, honest, if you got information, give out the information and the people going to come to you. They're going to fuck with you. But yeah. so many times people be like, no, nah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> or I don't, like, all right, well, you ain't going to get no audience because that's what they on there for. They on there to get information or be entertained. So you're going to have to do one or the other. That's yeah. how I look at it. A lot of times I've seen people try to grow their Twitter presence and they'll tweet like, check out this blog post on this. You can't do that because people are not automatically going to click a link. You have to give them something and you have to earn their trust. And then they're going to be like, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. Let me go ahead and check out their blog or check out their website, check out their, their YouTube. But you're absolutely right. Like you have to put a ton of content and value out on the table first. And that's funny because that's a perfect example. I was talking to somebody. They have a, they have a big, uh, they have a big audience, a big um, following on Instagram, like huge. But on Twitter, not so much. And they mm-hmm. was talking to me, and she was just, like, basically asking for tips. And, like, what do you think about my timeline? So I went through her timeline, and I'm like, yo, a lot of your stuff, for you to be kind of new, is, like, just a bunch of links and, like, shit like that. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. Twitter is not like that. Like, people, like you said, you got to give them a reason to click on that link. They're not just going, they see you, you ain't gave them nothing yet. You got to mm-hmm. give them something. Now they're going to want to fuck with you and be like, okay, let me yeah, see what this about. So yeah, I, I I agree with that a thousand percent. And that's and another part of I feel is really important is knowing how to present your business differently on each of the different platforms. Because mm-hmm. you can't do it the same way on each platform. Like Twitter, you may talk about your industry and your area of expertise and then lead it up to your business. Then Instagram, you gotta showcase the lifestyle that comes with your products and all that. So I think that's like another major key is navigating through these different platforms. But in order to really grow your business, you need to know how to present it on each one differently. Right. And I actually have um, a whole chapter in my ebook, Zero to Launch, where I talk about this. Um, You can't just copy and paste the same content across all channels because they're not going to follow you on every single channel if you're posting the same exact stuff. So like, you know, what I share, like on my personal Instagram stories, isn't what I share on my snap stories, for example, like I give people a reason to follow me on different 
platforms and share, you know, different things here and there. And I definitely think that has to carry over, you know, into like your brand or your company's presence. Also, you can't just be giving them the same stuff over and over. They're going to get tired of you. They're going to unfollow everywhere. (laughs) Right. I I feel like Snap is the most personable platform. Mm -hmm. Facebook is like a more fam, like you, you don't want to get too personal because you got family <laughs> might on there. You don't nobody judging you. Keep your right. Instagram <laughs> is the highlight reel. You only going to show like the good shit for the most part. And Twitter right. is, Twitter is like, well, for me at least, it's like, I'm going to talk about everything. No, I'm not right. going to like your thoughts. It's like your right. diary. Yeah. You're right. It's like a diary. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a, it's a le- electronic diary. That's how I that's- see it. Yep. So. That's game right there, just for the people that's listening. Cause I know people struggle, people struggle with that. Cause I get asked the question all the time, like, damn, how 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 do I navigate Twitter? That's what people ask all the time. And the thing is, Twitter is the easiest platform. I agree. Right people say it's the hardest. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm struggling with Instagram. <laughs> Twitter is the easiest, hands down. It's the easiest. Especially if you especially if you have any kind of knowledge about something. It doesn't yeah. even have to be like something crazy. Like if you know how to fucking run a dumpster business or some shit if you got if you're willing to get that information out you'll get a following and that's what i tell people you know like don't try to slide into somebody else's lane like figure out like what do you enjoy talking about what do you know about what are you good at write that down you know and then pick like three to five topics and just start tweeting about them and your audience will come and i tell people like don't use don't necessarily use hashtags on Twitter because no. I'll see people post something and then be like, hashtag cash, hashtag money, hashtag entrepreneur. Uh, I'm like, don't do that. People will search for keywords and find them in your tweet. Yep. So whatever keywords you want to use, include them in your tweet, not as a hashtag. Like, <laughs> That's that's, right, man. that's another thing I see all the time when people ask me and I look at their page, they got 17 hashtags. I'm like, yes. no, this is not, this <laughs> is not Instagram. Like, I'm not going to share that. It doesn't <laughs> right. look good. <laughs> right, it don't look good at all. Aesthetically, it just looks, it looks terrible. It's like, yo, yeah. <laughs> hashtags, links. Is a Hashtag no-no. follow me. All right, has, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking no. It's a no, no. But yeah, right. that's, that's that's a game. I know. I know people gonna get value from that because, like I said, a lot of people have problems with building on Twitter. Like you, like one more thing you said. You said have going your own lane because the thing is with Twitter, especially people with followers, you know the lane. You see their tweets. You know, like you could tell when somebody's imitating their shit. Like you mm-hmm. get ecom. You got a big brand with e-com on Twitter. So any other, it, it could be a male or female. They come on there talking similar. It's already going to be, you recognize be picking my Caroline. It's going to be in the back of my mind. Like this is too similar to Caroline. So it's not going, <laughs> it's not going to penetrate as it would. And right. You Cause know. you already have somebody else giving you that. Like you exactly. have to be your authentic self. Exactly. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's key right there. That's key right there. And uh, just going back to e-com for a second. So, from your perspective, what do you what's what's the what's the biggest mistakes you see people make when starting an econ brand, or even not just starting, just period? So I do a lot of um, like website and brand um, analysis reports for people, and the biggest things that I see hands down is people not investing in their photography, mm. and what happens is people think, you know, they can just use stock photos from their supplier or even worse, you know, they steal from other brands. I've seen people remove watermarks and people's logic is, you know, once I start getting sales, I will improve those pictures. That's backwards thinking. You have to get the pictures on point first 
And not only will that give you, you know, like amazing photos for your website, but that's content for your Instagram, for your Facebook, and you need to have that original content, right? So definitely the photos, that's like the number one thing and not taking photos of like the appropriate details. For example, like if you're selling a watch, I need to see the clasp in detail, right? I need to see the dial. I want to see under the watch. Like I want to see a close up of the leather strap, um, like macro close up detail shots. Um, that's money right there. Like people will fall for the details. Like if you're selling um, a dress, I want to see, you know, like the zipper closure on the back. I want to see a, clo- a close up of that detail. Um, another thing that I see a lot is websites not being optimized for all devices. So, you know, most of us look at websites on our phones, right? Cause we have them in our hands all day, mm-hmm. but um, I have a 27 inch screen that I open some of these websites on and I'm just so surprised at how pixelated the photos are. And it's because they didn't take the time to optimize for every single screen size. You know, I know a lot of people out there that have, you know, 13 inch MacBooks, but then a lot of them have a 21 inch, 27 inch, and you want to make sure that wherever your customer is accessing your website from, you know, they might be at work and want to go shop on your website. If I see a pixelated photo, I'm going to be like, oh no, what happened here? Like automatically you lose my trust. Um, Another thing that I see, um, and I saw this most recently, um, a lot, like in the last week, people will use like a generic refund policy. And so like you might be selling, I don't know, do-rags. And then in your refund policy, it will say like certain exchanges or refunds are not permitted. Like if you're returning like skincare or personal items or CDs or DVDs, if they're open. And I'm like, wait a second, you don't even sell skincare or DVDs. And what they're doing is like, they're copying the template from Shopify or their provider and they're not catering it to their own audience. So definitely, you know, always go out and look for templates. You know, a lot of people sell excellent templates that you can use, you can find them for free, but make sure you read through everything, right? Because if you're selling do-rags and your refund policy says something about, you know, exchanging um, personal hygiene products or exchanging software, I'm gonna wonder about like your credibility, right? Because it's like, did you even read what you put out? Because it doesn't seem like it, you know? And um, always make sure that you're giving your customers um, a way to contact you. I recommend doing that like right in the navigation bar because um, many times, you know, a customer will have a question that's not answered on your website in your description or somewhere else. They're not going to take the time to go find you on Facebook or Instagram or on other social media, social media, excuse me. They want to just be able to click a link and, you know, send off their question. And it also gives people a little bit more peace of mind in knowing that, you know, if there's something wrong with their order or they have any issues, they can just contact you right there and they're not gonna have to go hunting for an email address or anything. I really like, like the biggest takeaway I got from that is like really take your time in the beginning. Don't rush it. Like it's so many small things people neglect starting out with their, especially like with their websites and all that. And there are people who really thoroughly go through your website when they're deciding if they're going to purchase from you and they look at all those little details. Cause it's like your website pretty much um, putting in these terms is like the first impression as if you were like, like comparing it to like us meeting in person. Like the mm-hmm. first thing I'm going to look at is your appearance and how you're presenting yourself. And now you got to see from that standpoint, like your website is the first step. And that's like, it has to be presentable. It has to look nice. It has to be inviting to bring people in. So once you get them in the door, it's easier for you to get the sale. 
But I really like you brought up the pictures because that's probably one of the things I hate the most to get on the website. And it looks like iPhone pictures or something like that. Like invest in those things in the beginning so you don't have to worry about it later on. Yeah, that's it true. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one, th- one, thing I'm, uh, one thing I'm noticing about you, and even from when you was out here and we was talking, is you are uh, very detail oriented. So, mm-hmm. and I want to ask you, so was you always this way in business or was it things that you had to go through for you to get to this point? There's definitely things that I had to go through and I had to learn. Um, you know, I've dealt with many, many customers and eventually, you know, you kind of learn that there's different types of customers, right? But a lot of the details that I pay attention to now I only pay attention to because, you know, I've had like a big mess up somewhere along the way and I've learned that, okay, this is how I have to do it. It's one of those things where, um, you know, like from experience, like you just learn like what needs a little bit more attention or, you know, what could take a little bit less attention. But I was, I've definitely not always been, um, you know, so detail oriented. A lot of that has come, you know, from experience, from doing things, from stumbling and figuring it out, like, um, you know, this is how I need to do it instead, because that way um, doesn't work. But I've always been, you know, very creative. I've always been um, a writer. I've always been like interested in art. So one of the things I think like my like product descriptions and my photos have probably like been on point since the beginning, because, you know, I've always been an artist and a writer, and I knew how important those things were from the jump. Very important right there. And uh, yeah, I forgot what I was just about to ask you. <laughs> What was I about to say? I just had a oh yeah, this I was about to ask. So you earlier we spoke on email marketing and uh text text. So just for the people that don't know, they don't know how important getting building that email list is, getting that if you want to get a text subscription, all that stuff. How important is those things, especially when you're in business? So many people say that email marketing is dead. You cannot listen to those people, right? Mm-hmm. Like what and this is one of the things that I talked about at the conference you cannot be trying to sell your audience on every single email and every single text that you send out, right? And I noticed this is something that you guys do because I'm subscribed for the podcast text now. (laughs) And, you know, I'll receive a text, you know, letting me know that an episode is out. But every day you guys send me something inspirational too. And I love that, right? Because you're not always trying to get me to be like, hey, watch the podcast, watch the podcast. I'm gonna watch it anyways, right? But (laughs) you guys are sending me stuff to, you know, get me like pumped up throughout the day. And that's so important. Like you have to remember why your customers joined your list in the first place, right? So like with my emails, every email I send out is not going to be, you know, 30% off, come check out this new product. Sometimes, um, you know, it's going to be like a tutorial or like a helpful video or, you know, like a question I'm asking my audience or you have to be able to provide them value and not just be selling them all the time. Because if every time I open your emails, you're just trying to get money out of me, I'm going to stop opening your emails, right? Like I want you to provide value. And it goes back to what we said about like earning trust on social media before you get someone to click your link. You basically have to do the same thing. You know, you have to consistently bring that value, continue um, or so that people will continuously want to open your emails. Because, you know, if every, like I said, if every time they open it, it's just you saying, you know, click here to shop, click here to shop, click here to shop. I'm going to find that unsubscribe button because I can shop on your website. Like I know how to type out a URL if I'm interested. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's so real because I'm subscribed to a cu- couple of uh, email lists and text, 
text list. And that's like literally every day. It's like a text. Like I get like 25% off this site literally every single day. And it's like after about two weeks, I haven't opened it in like months. I just haven't unsubscribed yet. But it's like, I, I don't know why. Yeah, I just stopped opening it because I already know it's like, oh, they're trying to be trying to sell me something so mm-hmm. that is that is that's 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 very valuable info and right there another thing that i just want to touch on really quick i talked about this at the conference but um you know so many people are focused on having like the highest number of email subscribers possible and you don't necessarily want to be like conning people into joining your list like you only want people that want to be there right because right. when you start getting into bigger numbers like you have, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 50, 100,000 email subscribers, that's expensive, right? You can be spending mm-hmm. thousands of dollars a month. If your lists or if your emails are only opened by, you know, 3% of your audience, that's super low. You know that the majority of the people you're sending emails to are not interested, right? So at that mm-hmm. point, like, I would almost start the list over because I would rather have a smaller number of email subscribers that are highly engaged and looking forward to my emails than have, you know, 50,000 people I'm sending my emails out to and, you know, not even half of them are opening them. Mm. You, I think that's very interesting because I think that that philosophy, I think it translates over to like social media as well. Cause I know people that got like plenty of followers, hundred thousand followers. And they'll be like, you know, my posts only get, couple hundred likes engagement and mm-hmm. i think it goes to that like you focus on a number of followers where you probably should restart to focus on that target audience of people that really fuck with you and they mm-hmm. might get way more you know what i'm saying involvement in your stuff so i think that translates over to just not even just with email lists or text mm-hmm. just to pretty much everything in business mm-hmm. not focusing on the 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 quantity mm-hmm. but the quality of people exactly yep, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. that's game that's just game you just gave me some clarity when you just said what you said so <laughs> i was thinking i'm like yeah that's that's game right there you want to say right. instead of focusing on just like growing you know yeah. platform it is like you said just focus on the people that are engaging with you how can you provide more value to the people that are locked in and how can you find more of those people Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Nourishing those relationships. Because right. when you think about it, like when you really take the time to build those relationships and build that connection, these aren't people you got to worry about buying from you once and never hearing from them again. These are consistent buyers. These are potential referrals. It's just an ongoing relationship with these people. So that's really important. Sorry, sorry. That's a philosophy that, you know, I adopted when I was selling cars. Um, a few years ago, that's what I was doing. And I would tell all my customers, you know, I'm not here to sell you a car. I'm here to help you buy one. Mm-hmm. And like that perspective shift is huge. Yeah. You want people to know that you're their friend in business, you know? So like the products that I'm selling, I don't want my customers to feel like I'm shoving stuff down their throat. Like buy this, buy this. It's more of like, you know, you want it, like you're going to buy it from me because I'm your friend in this industry. And like you said, that becomes you know, a relationship now and it's ongoing at that point instead of just trying to capture as many like one-time sales as possible because eventually that's going to die out. It has to be that built relationship to keep the momentum going for a long time. Mm, yep. And let, let's let's talk about converting the point, converting your followers into sales. As we all know, we've seen a story about the girl, like we talked about the conference, the girl on IG with a million followers. She got like 36 sales or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just let's just talk about how for people that's listening how how can they convert their followers into more sales 
So the first thing, right, you have to make sure that you're building the right audience because somebody can go buy 100,000 followers and they're not going to get any sales, right? Because those customers, they're not really yours. They were bought, <laughs> right? So it has to start with actually building your audience. Make sure you're building the audience um, that matches your ideal customer, right? Um, and you have to make sure that you're consistently providing them value, consistently engaging with them. And especially for me, like in my brands, being transparent really helps because people don't want to buy from a company. People want to buy from a person, right? So if you insert yourself into your brand and you connect with your customers, and this is one of the reasons why I love, you know, live videos, live content so much, um, they start to like you as a person. And then it goes back to what I said before, you know, I'm not here to sell you something. I'm here to help you buy it. Like you become like they, they start looking for you, right? They start going your social media to see like what you're up to and what you're doing. And then if you have like a strong enough connection with your audience, you can almost sell them anything, but it has to start with, you know, building that connection and, um, um, communicating with them, right? Like I would never ignore a comment or like, I see this all the time. People will comment, you know, asking how much is this or asking a question and they'll say like, click the link in my bio. Like, that's so rude. Like I understand, you know, people, um, like I understand that people don't like to read, you know, you can say I'm selling cakes for $5 on Friday. People are going to ask, what are you selling? When, how much, but you have to treat every single customer interaction. And I say this all the time to my employees, my friends, everybody, you have to treat every single customer interaction. Like it's going to be seen by a hundred thousand people. Right. So if you're going to go leave me a review on the BBB or on Facebook or on Google, do I want you to say, I asked her for the price and she told me to click the link in my bio. I thought she was a bitch. I didn't buy from her. Or you can, or do I want you to say, you know, I asked her what the price was and she took the time, you know, to send me the link so that I can see the different packages. Excellent customer service. I will definitely return. And, um, you know, and it, it might get too big to handle yourself. So, you know, I would recommend, you know, hiring like a customer service employee might be one of the first hires a company makes. Right. Um, I, I, I definitely recommend that because if nothing else, like you need to make sure that your customer service is on point. On point. Mm-hmm. On point. That's, that's, that's heavy game right there. And uh, that the, what's so funny is that was literally my next question. I was going to ask you, can you like give tips on interacting with customers and potential, potential customers? But you just mm-hmm. pretty much, you, you pretty much answered it right there. Cause yeah, it's like, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause you will see it so many times where people, like I love what well, uh who's I think that was Madison J that said that at the conference she was like you not Beyonce and what she was saying was you not at this level where you too big to respond and interact with people that's following you because you yeah. can see you see that all the time on every social media platform where you got people that will comment you got fifty comments and the person who posted didn't respond back to not one person it's like yo what the who the fuck do you oh, think entitled. you are right it was like and you have to know that like every comment that comes in whether it's a personal brand or it's like your company like your your product right you have to think of it as like every comment that comes in is a lead right so you have to nurture that lead you have to nurture that relationship answer that question it doesn't matter if you answered the question in your caption you know it's so rude to be like read the caption just answer the question you know what i mean like whatever's gonna make the customer happy 
exactly. the same amount of time it took you to take make a snappy answer is the same amount of time yeah. it takes you to just give them what they're asking for. Yeah, and there are so many like websites out there. I see it on Instagram all the time with beauty brands, especially like they are waiting for somebody to send a screenshot so they can post the tea and you know tell warn other potential customers about how rude this brand is being so you know customer service is huge because um i I mentioned this earlier um during our our talk that people are more likely to go online and leave a negative review than they are to leave a positive review Mm -hmm. and you know with with that being said actually i just want to give um you know another tip to the people that are listening Um, about once a month, I will invite my customers, you know, to go and leave me a review and I'll give them a link, you know, I'll give them my Google link or my Facebook link or the BBB link. And I'll ask them to leave me, you know, an honest review. I never ask for positive reviews. I ask for honest ones, but they're pretty much always positive because I'm very careful, you know, about nurturing my audience and making sure that their experience is a good one. So don't be scared to ask your people for reviews because those that, you know, really rock with you will be more than happy to let people know. That's, that's a fact right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like customer service is probably the biggest, the biggest problem I see with people with businesses is like, cause there's no, there's no like blueprint or no, like class ever taught on how to give customer service within a business. Like, like every other part of business, you could probably learn from like classes or YouTube, but typically there's nobody saying like, you know, this is how you treat a customer. This is how you engage with a customer. So a lot of times I'll see people be like rude as hell. And I remember I was watching this uh, interview. I think it was, it was Mark Cuban. Was it Mark Cuban? It was somebody. I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was at a restaurant and, uh, he asked for something like some kind of burger and they was like, no, we don't do that. And he was just saying like how angry it, uh, it made him because and this might sound silly. But he was like, because it, it, it would take, it would, it would, it would be no problem for them to, for them to go back there and do exactly what I asked. He was like, mm-hmm. as a, he was, he was, a, uh, it was the owner of the Houston Rockets. I forgot his name, but he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He was like, as a business owner, whatever your customers ask you, unless it's something crazy, and unmoral, you should be able to do it. You should never say, no, I can't do that. Especially if it's not going to be no problem for you to do it. Like, this is your customer. You should be catering to them and saying whatever they ask you for, you should be saying, all right, I can do that. I can make that happen. I definitely agree with that. And, um, you know, it's happened to me so many times. People will reach out to me and, you know, like they'll ask for a specific configuration that I don't have on my website or, you know, they'll ask for like a custom color or something else custom. And if we're able to accommodate it, I always do, because then what happens is instead of that customer turning around and talking about how angry they are that they didn't get their mm-hmm. custom burger, right. they're going to turn around and tell people, you know, hey, I went here for lunch and you know what they did? Like they accommodated my request, like they right. made me a burger that I wanted. So you can very easily turn, you know, a negative experience into a positive mm-hmm. one or prevent that negative experience from happening altogether. And I think this is where the phrase, you know, the customer is always right comes in. Right. And, you know, I always tell people like you have to, as much as you have to insert yourself into your brand, like your brand has to have its own voice. So like you can't be out here like being rude to people. And I think, you know, the number one thing, and I always train my staff on this. I tell everybody this, just treat every single customer interaction like it's going to be screenshotted or screen recorded and shown to 100,000 people. So like, how do you want 100,000 people to see you represent your brand? 
you know, and whatever that is, that's what you need to portray. And I just want to throw this out there. Like, I'm definitely about to write an ebook on customer service. (laughs) 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 My customer service, like I have five-star reviews across the board. The company that we sold, we had excellent customer service reviews. And I think this is something that I definitely excel in. So Yeah. Like, cause like I just said, like I just said, there's no, there's no playbook on it. Like as a business, as a business owner, you might not think that much of it, but it's very important. And there's no classes on this. Really, not that I know of. I could be wrong. Not that I know of. We're telling you how to interact with your customers. So yeah, it's not something that people really talk about, but yeah, it is actually one it. of the most, if not the most, important component to being successful in business. You can't you can't be rude to your customers <laughs> and think they're gonna you know go to war for you like oh my god this is such a great company and you treat your customers like shit like we yeah, can't do that yeah. and one and, and one company that as we all know that's great at this and they the best example is chick-fil-a you go to any you go to any chick-fil-a i don't care where you at it's like that's why that's why chick-fil-a built such a culture a a, a great culture on this that if you say something like that Chick-fil-A fucked up, everybody go on, go at you like, no, nah, no, nah, what you do? You must come exactly. to you must be, Like, that's how strong of a culture they built a great customer service. Well, if you hear something bad, you like, no, nah, ain't no fucking way. Chick-fil-A no, don't do that. No, it's like, they messed up my order once and I wasn't even upset. Right. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? Right. You, right. you, you think it's going to sound like, damn, <laughs> maybe, maybe I ordered that wrong. Maybe I said it wrong. <laughs> Because they be so nice. Right. Just, how, was your, how was your day and calling you by name? And you know, I was like, it's all right. I don't and that actually, like, it ties in with like ourselves, like as individuals too, right? Because if a hundred people have something good to say about you and your character, and one person comes out of left field, a hundred people are gonna know right. that that person is right. wrong. Right. 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 Like, no, I know Caroline. No, ain't no way. Ain't no way. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Right. that's that's yeah. that's <laughs> that's cold, and this I feel like this is so important just because, especially for people in in urban communities, as they call it. Because mm-hmm. I know me coming up, oftentimes, and most of the businesses, the customer service was ass. Like you come in there, somebody be like, "What? What you want? What you want? You know how I mean, you you pull up to the drive through, <laughs> you be like, "Yeah." Right, they they'll, they'll, they'll be like, "Hey, how you doing?" They be like, "Yeah." <laughs> you be like, "What you mean? Yeah. What, what do I want? You mean?" They like they don't even say that. So it's like. And you can see the difference in the in the business and the success the success in the business just based on shit like that. Yeah, because yeah. it's like don't act like a customer approaching you is like bothersome to you. Like, <laughs> right. I am God, exactly. This business, <laughs> right. like, absolutely you be happy to help. Facts, facts, facts. And but something something I want to ask is um because I know this is a question that I hear people say a lot. They be they they have a problem with appearing too salesy so when somebody's trying to promote their business or stuff like that how can they promote it without coming off as like salesy because you could spot it you know what i'm saying you get that vibe like you know this is just too salesy for me mm-hmm. so how can I, yeah. think, I think there needs to be like a um a, a balance right and it, it really depends if we're talking about like a physical product or a personal brand but um you know, like with my physical products, for example, you know, like I might make like a really helpful post with like some, you know, tips or, you know, like a blog post um, that something that has to do with your product. And then, you know, just like link your product at the end of it versus, you know, just telling them like, here's the link to buy my product. You always need to give them some value first. 
But when it comes to like building like a personal brand, like me on Twitter, um, most of the times I would say like 80 to 90%, I'm not really selling. I'm just providing value, right? But then like, I'll have like 10 to 20% of my tweets are like, I'm hard selling you. Like I'm giving you a link. Like this is what I have available. These are my e-commerce books or my guides. And you just need to have the confidence and know that the people that are following your brand are following you because they like your products, right? Whether it's your personal brand for like digital products or services, or it's, you know, like a physical brand of like actual products that you're selling, um, especially if it's um, physical products that you're selling, like you have to understand and um, become comfortable with the fact that people are following you because they like your product. So, um, you know, if you provide them enough value and you give them the right offer, they're not going to say no. So I think, you know, it's just one, it depends on what your product is and whether, you know, it's a service or a personal brand or, you know, digital products that you're selling. But two, it has to be that balance between, um, you know, mostly providing value and don't be afraid to ask for the sale because the people that are following you are following you because they rock with what you're selling. That's 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 uh man, you 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 dropping a lot of you like you dropping a lot of uh game this episode. I think is mm-hmm. absolutely needed. You you want to say something? Like I was just, I want to talk, get back on to scaling scaling your business as a brand. So as far as because we know when you get to that point, it takes a lot of delegation that you have delegating that you have to do. And as a business owner, that could be difficult sometimes. Because like how you were saying at the conference, nobody is going. You feel like nobody's going to do what you want better than you, mm-hmm. but at the same time, as you, you're not going to be able to do everything, especially when you got to try to get a well-oiled machine. So how do you find that balance in, like, delegating tasks and still being able to do everything that's needed to be done for you for you to scale your business? Um, let's see. Delegating tasks and doing everything that needs to be done for me to scale my business. So, um, are you necessarily asking about, like, hiring staff? Or, yeah, like you know, hiring staff, having them do certain things that you may necessarily feel like you could do it better than them, but you probably don't have the time to commit to doing that because you got so many other things that you need to be doing. It's uh, it's a, like a delicate balance, and this is something that you know I'm currently experiencing mm-hmm. right now. Um, you know, because in my other company, I had an equal partner. And, um, you know, kind of like you guys, like you're able to, you know, bounce ideas, like you're able to pass off like responsibilities. If you have something going on, you know, the other person is able to kind of pick up your slack and vice versa. But but now, you know, I'm a hundred percent on my own, a hundred percent, you know, owner running everything, like all the executive operations on my own. And like, I really struggle with, um, giving somebody, um, you know, that much control, that much authority and, um, I'd say like it, um, it has to start with quality hires, right? Um, Having like effective like contracts in place, because especially like depending on the role that you're hiring for, like if I'm hiring, um, I don't know, somebody to help me with my marketing and like they see all of my numbers and everything, I need to make sure I have like a non-compete in place where, you know, they're not going to go run off to all my suppliers and, you know, take my customer list and, um, you know, really being careful about like what you give people access to, like in your back end and everything. Um, you know, I've learned that you cannot be too trusting because um, at the end of the day, most people have their best interest in mind. 
you know, like it doesn't necessarily mean they don't have your best interest in mind, but at the end of the day, everybody, you know, is kind of looking out for themselves the most. And, you know, that's where I learned that, you know, you need to have those non-competes in place and whoever, you know, you're doing business with, you just have to be careful um, what you're sharing with them. Um, but also um, effective training, you know, and one thing that I've learned is um, nobody wants to work for a shitty boss, right? Like most of the times people don't leave their jobs because they don't like them. They leave their jobs because they don't like their manager, mm. right? So if you are somebody that takes care of your employees, like we always had like a mental health calendar where, you know, if you need a day off for like a mental health reason, you got it, like no questions asked. And like what I noticed is in offering that, like people took way less like time off because they knew that, you know, when they need it, it's there versus, um, you know, like a manager that's going to make you like jump through hoops of fire just to be able to take that day off. You know, as a manager, as a leader, as a boss, you have to, um, you know, you have to keep in mind that other people, you know, have their own priorities. They have their own life. Um, you know, especially if you're running a company and these are your employees, you know, you have to know that they have like their own dreams. And, um, you know, I've learned that if you're helping them like with their their training or, you know, like giving them, you know, like advice or guiding them or helping them, um, you know, on their own paths, like they will go to war for you. So it honestly, like a lot of being successful in business comes down to being a good person. And, um, you know, you really have to find that balance between, um, you know, having your own back, but like also caring about the people that are doing business with you, especially if it's, um, you know, not an equal exchange of power if, you know, you're, um, you know, managing people that are your employees. Mm. That's, 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 a, that's a great answer right there. And as far as, as far as building connections and getting partnerships, because I know people, people ask, people ask me this question a lot because they see me like working with people and doing business with people that I met through Twitter. Like I think I like past year, I think I got like five or six business partners from Twitter and people always ask me, they like, how, wait, they be like, how, you know, like he, they a solid person. How you know they're not going to try to scam you or this and that. And <laughs> so I want to ask you for, as far as partnerships, how do you, how do you navigate that? And how can you tell this is a good partner for me? Um, I think a lot of times, um, like, I feel like this is a very cliche thing to say, but you know, energy doesn't lie. To right. Me. That's what, I, and like, that's what I say. If I, and if I meet somebody, like, I can usually just tell, like, by their demeanor, the way they carry themselves, you know, the, like, little actions that they do, like, in certain situations or other people, like, a lot of it comes down to just being, like, a solid person in general. Like, if I'm out to dinner with somebody and I see you being extremely rude to the waitress, and then, you know, you turn around and you smile at me, like, I'm going to feel a type of way about that because it's like, what did she do to you? Like, you're treating her, you know, like less than because she's serving the food. Like, right. Um, so I think, you know, the biggest thing is like, I go off of energy and, you know, sometimes like you can read energy like online or, you know, over the phone, um, you know, definitely in person, but like, trust your gut, right? Because, um, I actually like almost went into business with um, somebody on Twitter 
um, you know, kind of when I first started this whole thing. Um, and we were like, we had spoken on the phone. We had never met in person yet, but um, there were like some emails going back and forth. And I asked for a specific invoice. We were going to buy a brand together, right? And we were going to grow it and flip it. Um, I asked for some numbers and like, um, they took like screenshots where like what I needed to see was just cropped out or like when I asked for like a PDF file of the invoice, you know, like certain things were cropped out. So that was like the very first thing that made me feel like, okay, this is kind of weird. Like, why aren't they just sending me the document that I need to see? Right. So like little things like that, like if you get like a, a feeling, I didn't end up doing business with this person, by the way, because they lied about um, the, the cost of the business to try to get more money out of me. Right. But you know, I'm not stupid. I went and right. I found the buyer. I found out how much they were really selling the brand for. And I approached this person like, you know, why did you try to play me? And then, you know, they tried to tell me like, oh, the rest was for inventory. And, you know, I was like, well, we could have made that decision together. Right. And at the end of the day, like I knew it wasn't, um, you know, a partnership I could enter into just off of principle, because if you're going to lie to me about something this small, you know, like I'm judging your character at this point. Like, I don't want any lies, period. You know, mm. I'll see you up. man. I love that answer so much because <laughs> when people ask me that, and like you say, it's a cliche and it might sound crazy to people to say, you know, vibes don't energy don't lie. Trust your instincts. It might sound crazy to some people, but like you can really, you can't really tell what, what, what most people, you could just feel it like, you know what I'm saying? This is going to be good or uh, I feel kind of iffy about it. And when you feel kind of iffy about it, don't do it. Well, I know that's how I am. I'm like, no, nah, more time because sometimes right. it just needs it's a little just, bit more time. Exactly. Yeah. It needs right. Yeah. It needs a little bit. It needs a little bit more time. And another thing is, sometimes you just gotta shut the fuck up and watch people. <laughs> like you know, so sometimes people get so caught up in wanting to talk all the time or getting their point of views across that they they really not paying attention to details within people. Because more often than not, people will show their hand, whether negative or positive. And if you could just sit back and observe and just watch, after a while, the person going to show their hand every time. And you will know, like, oh, nah, either I can fuck with this person or no, I'm I'm good on that. So that's a, that's a one of the key things that I feel like people, they don't take the time to just sit back and watch. Like you said, watching how people can interact with a waiter or interact with anybody, you know what I'm saying? Treat them like shit when then they treat you like, okay, that's and a sign right there. More than that, like, you know, I'll notice, like, I, like you said, I'm, I'm super detail oriented, right? Right. Like if I see somebody push in their chair or like return the shopping cart, right? Or like hold open a door, like make eye contact, say thank you. Like these are character traits that right. I really admire, you know, like you took the time to put away your shopping cart or you took the time to push in your chair, like, little things like that matter to me and i think you know those are definitely clues into um a valuable character it is mm -hmm. it is because like they say like my, my dad used to always tell me growing up he used to say how you do one thing is how you do everything you do everything right, yeah. exactly and that's and it's and sometimes that could be some people might say that's extreme like no nah, i don't think that's true but for the most part it is if you watch people you know what i'm saying if you if you like i said before if you were lazy if you're a lazy nine to fiver, it's probably going to be a lazy entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And then, <laughs> that's just, it translates over. 
You know, I actually, um, I had like a thread on Twitter about this topic, actually, and I got a lot of heat for it because like I said, um, you know, I mentioned like pushing in your chair, returning the shopping cart, making your bed. And I had a lot of people tell me like, you know, I don't make my bed in the morning. What does that have to do with me being successful? And, you know, for a lot of people, you know, I won't say that the two are directly correlated because sure, sure you know, there might be some people that are phenomenal entrepreneurs, don't make their bed in the morning, don't hold the door open for people, whatever. But for the most part, you know, I've definitely noticed, you know, like um, your father, you said, used to say mm. those things. To you. Yeah. Um, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And, you know, if you don't do the small stuff right, I can't trust that you're going to do the big stuff right. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's game. That's, that's game right there. And, and just uh, the making your bed part, this is it's this girl I follow on Instagram. Her name is, Dan- I think it's Danielle Hughes. And she just mm-hmm. wrote a book. It's called Always Make Your Bed. And I didn't read the book, but I'm, I assume it's about those principles of like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. It's like preparing for the day. And with me personally, like, cause Deanna, she makes, she makes the bed every single, like literally every single day. <laughs> and then when she don't do it, like if I get up later than her, like now I'm, 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 I'm trying to build a habit of making it. Cause I'm so used to like, she'll just, she'll be like, all right, get up, let me make the bed type shit. So, so, and I, <laughs> I know, I'm not going to lie at all. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to speak facts. So I know. You put the toilet paper roll on top too. <laughs> no, no, I, no, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Right. I, that's like one of my pet peeves. Like I pull the toilet paper out. I'm either putting it in the trash or I'm putting that motherfucker straight on the, uh, uh, the what's the the roll whatever whatever we get off topic you know what I mean <laughs> everybody like what the fuck they talking about but yeah that's uh yeah that's that's real like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything so when people hear this I I would just want people to take heed to to realize because like you said people will give you flack for that and they'll be like no nah, no nah, just because they own shit they know they do stuff shitty and they know like I'm, I, just right, they I'm start getting it. a little bit defensive but yeah. when you in your mind is that, um, you know, it comes down to your character values, like your, your habits, your values, your character. If you start getting into the habit of, you know, getting out of bed, making your bed every morning, mm-hmm. and, you know, other little things like that, that seem insignificant, you're, um, you know, solidifying your character, you're building like those little habits, and your mind will start to choose to do, you know, the right thing in any given situation. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's facts. Like, that's man that's so real like my, my dad he literally used to say that shit all the time and it as a i never really understood it until i got older for real that's one of those things you're like all right what the, what the fuck you talking about but that's even kind of like i like to relate it to going to the gym or just really sticking on schedule like it's just building repetition in your mind like you know like all right if i can do this and have the patience and you know, the drive to go do this and it just translates throughout your entire day because you think back on like, okay, I got up, I went to the gym. All right, I know I did that. Okay, let me accomplish these tasks. And you just keep telling yourself, okay, but you did that. Let's do this and let's keep it going. And eventually it just becomes a really healthy habit to have. Yeah, becoming disciplined in all things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, being disciplined. Do you feel like that's, that's the most important thing as far as being an entrepreneur is discipline or just Absolutely. in general. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people and I'm guilty of it too. You know, I used to say, I want to be an entrepreneur because I don't want to have to work or, you know, I don't want to, I want to be able to do whatever I want with my time. But like, you have to understand um, 
it's like, you know, I guess I can compare it to being in high school and, you know, having your teachers being on you all the time about assignments, like this is due this day. And then you get in college and all of a sudden, you know, they don't, they don't remind you. <laughs> in high school, we're trying to tell you like, well, when you get to college, they're not going to be reminding yeah. you. That's really what life is about. Right. So like now as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed that I have the freedom to do whatever I want with my day, right? Like, you know, I get to bring my kids to school. I get to pick them up. If I'm having a rough day and I need to take the day off and just lay in bed all day, I can do that, right? But you need to have the discipline of, you know, knowing like, okay, I need to get this done. I need to do this and, you know, going and doing it because it's very easy to um, remain like stagnant or complacent or, you know, feel like this is good enough. Um, it's a lot easier to have, you know, a manager behind you, disciplining you, pushing you, yelling at you, because sometimes we don't do those things for ourselves, but we have to, you know, like we have to get mad at ourselves if we don't get stuff done and we have to check ourselves and keep ourselves in schedule and in routine. I think, you know, discipline has so much to do with success in general in anything, because, you know, you have to be able to determine what needs to get done and then more importantly like you have to do it and you don't always have that person behind you you know pushing you like hey we got to get this done we got to get this done like sometimes like that inner voice only comes from yourself so you got to make sure you're telling yourself the right things mm. and this i feel like this is a real important conversation because like lately i've been thinking a lot about like the specific time that we in and you know it's so many distractions these like in this time 2020 so many distractions and I feel like if you can stay disciplined today, you you will you will win and and beat so many people because ninety to ninety nine percent is like completely impossible for for them to stay disciplined with all the distractions they got. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's like a weird spot, but it's it's hard to stay disciplined these days. But I feel like the 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 result of it is is a such a much bigger win just because all distractions that's in place. But like, what do you think is ways for people to avoid the distractions? Cause you got social media, you got yeah. all kinds, you got all kinds of shit where it's like people literally addicted to this shit. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? We don't know like how it's going to be 10 years from now. If it's going to be some kind of commercial come on. If you was on your, <laughs> if you was on your iPhone eight hours a day in 2020, you may have <laughs> messed with me on me or some shit like that. We don't fucking know. Because it's, it's like, it's a real, it's like, it's gonna be something like, cause it's like, it's real life addiction. Like you will see it people yeah. like, on this shit all day. So what's your, what, what's your advice as far as like, how can people get around that, avoid that? I'm so glad you asked this question because I feel like I have an excellent answer and I actually experienced it this week, right? So I got back from Sacramento um, like 3 a.m. Monday morning, right? Good. And normally I take the time on Sundays to plan out my week. Right. And I didn't do that because I arrived 3 a.m. Monday, you know, I slept for a little bit um, and then I had shit to do, right? So this week I kind of just like rolled with the punches and I didn't get as much done. So I think, you know, it's very, very important to, um, um, if I take the time, you know, like I'll sit down on Sunday and I'll map out like everything I got to get done this week. And then, you know, I prioritize it and I try to break things down to like the smallest possible goal that I can, like what's one action step that I need to complete to get this done. And then I map that out on my week. Right. And then it's just a matter of following the schedule and crossing it off. I'm not big on, 
creating like a physical schedule. Like I love my pen and paper. Um, I like to, or sorry, I said physical, but I meant digital. Like I'm a fan of just writing it down, right? Like I'll take a pen and paper, just, you know, create some lines like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, write it down that way. And I love the act of like crossing something off, right? So a lot of people, I think, you know, are a little bit like overwhelmed by, um, you know, these like digital calendars mm -hmm. or, you know, we have like Asana and Todoist and, you know, Basecamp. I think people are trying to organize all of their projects in there and it's very overwhelming and then it's easy to, you know, fall off or get distracted. But what has always helped me the most throughout the years is just using, you know, like a physical piece of paper and right. just writing down what I have to get done. And then, um, you know, like you have to be disciplined enough to follow that schedule. And for me, like remaining disciplined, um, I have to think about my goals every day. Right. And in our household, like we talk about what we have going on, what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to achieve and do. That's a conversation we have daily. And, you know, if I'm always focused on my goals and what I'm trying to achieve, you know, it's a no brainer. Like I look at my calendar and I know what I have to get done. But, um, you know, like I, I really noticed it this week, like I wasn't on task, like I didn't have something physical to look at to, you know, like stay on game. Um, so, you know, I allowed myself to become consumed by, you know, things that don't matter or things that were a waste of my time. And then, you know, I've been telling myself, I can't wait till Sunday so I can sit down and map out my week because for me, it makes a huge difference. A huge difference. It's like you live in, without that map, it's like you live in, uh, like with a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. And I was actually watching, um, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but um, Prince Donnell on Instagram, mm -hmm. he um, just posted something about like, um, you know, how he um, stays focused and, you know, doesn't go outside of his relationship. And, you know, he was talking about how he has like a schedule, how he wakes up at four o'clock in the morning and until he goes to bed, you know, he knows where he's supposed to be at, what he's supposed to be doing every minute of the day. And I think, you know, one, yeah, that'll keep you from cheating, but <laughs> like it'll keep you on, um, on track, like with your business and your personal goals, because, you know, you're able to look at, you know, your calendar and know where you're supposed to be at, what you're supposed to be doing. And then, you know, you just follow, follow the map. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. But that's not, that's, that's, uh, that's very important. Like I always talk about how I was reading an article with Jeff Bezos and he got his, he said he breaks his day down to 15 minute increments. Like, and it sounds, it sounds like, the, I mean, when I read it, I'm like, that is absolutely nuts. And I thought it was stupid. I'm like, foolish to me at my level to think what he's doing on his level was stupid, <laughs> right? Like, how arrogant is that? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, that don't, I'm like, that makes no sense. Why would he break his data? Then I'm thinking, I'm starting thinking deeper. I kept just thinking about it. I'm like, wait, that's fucking brilliant though. Cause it's like, it forces you to be extremely focused. Cause you know, I got 15 minutes to do this. So let me put all my energy into it. Every distraction is not even on my mind to the side. And I'm fit. for the next 15 minutes, I'm 100% in. Focus next, on this. And then you keep going for the rest of the day. But that takes a lot. Like, I know it probably, he, I know he probably wasn't always at that level because that takes a lot uh, of discipline to get to that point. 15 minutes is a short time period. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for you to do that throughout the whole day, I'm like, no wonder he's at the level he's at. Because that's the extreme. That's like fucking alien type discipline for real and I think you know nowadays like you mentioned this earlier like we have so many distractions like on our phones like you know whether it's people sending something or posting something and um 
you know, maybe like put your phone on do not disturb if that's going to help you that's what I do. or, you know, have a secondary phone altogether. Like if you know that you need to work on your phone or, you know, have a computer that your stuff is not connected to. So like on my computer, I don't get any notifications. I don't get any Facebook, Twitter stuff, no Instagram stuff. I don't have my iMessages turned on just because like when I'm sitting at my computer, like I'm getting stuff done. Right. And then I have like my personal line, my personal phone. And then I have a, a business phone too. And I don't have, you know, like my Twitter app on there. I don't have my personal Instagram, none of that. Because if I'm like creating content for my brand or like, you know, I'm doing some work on my phone, I know that like, I'm, I don't want to be distracted by personal stuff or Twitter notifications. And, you know, I'm sure everybody listening can relate. You know, sometimes we're doing something and then we get a notification and 25 minutes later, we're like, oh shit, what was I doing? Oh shit. What happened? So, you know, don't be afraid to turn off those notifications, get a second phone if you have to, Mm -hmm. you know, turn off the notifications on a computer. And sometimes too, um, I think it's called like the Pomodoro method or something like that. I remember learning about it in high school. It's like you get a timer literally, and then you do like focused work for X amount of minutes, and then you give yourself a five minute break, you know, and I, I think that that's, you know, really smart, especially for people, you know, like us that do a lot of work, like, you know, on social media and everything, you know, sit down and focus for 25 minutes and then know that at the end of that 25 minute block, you're going to give yourself, you know, five minutes to do whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. And that, I feel like the two, especially the two phone method, I feel like that's perfect because just recently we was out and we was out with eating with this guy. And he was like, why do y'all have two phones? He's like, do y'all really need two phones? And then we just started laughing. And I was <laughs> like, bro, I'm gonna be honest. I'm like, my personal phone is most likely on do not disturb. And so my business phone, if I get a text, a call of this phone, I know it's important. Right. So that's why I got two phones. I know nobody's going to call that just to waste my fucking time. As opposed right. to my personal phone, I can get some BS text type shit all day. But and you'll I just get to it when you get to it, right? Like, no, <laughs> exactly. it's not a priority. I'll take my phone off do not disturb, then I'll get to all that. So I, that's, that's how, that's pretty much how i look at it but let me ask you this though so with you like where did this mentality come from did you come from a family of entrepreneurs or something um so i was actually born in a third world country right i was born in brazil my family was very poor um they actually did not want to have another kid so when i came along it was like a huge surprise because they my parents couldn't afford it right so when they had me we were actually living um, in a garage where somebody parked their car every night and you know we just had like this little corner and um, my dad when I was three years old you know took the initiative to move to America to give us a better life and you know all my family is still in Brazil right so it was just you know my dad my mom and my sister we came over here um, and I think you know like I saw my parents just like grind so much. And like one thing that like will always stick out to me, like I would ask my mom to buy things for me when I was young. And she would say, you know, like I can't this week because I have to pay the cable bill or, you know, I can't this week because I have to pay the gas. And then like, I just always had this thing embedded in the back of my mind. Like I want to be able to buy whatever I want to buy without having (laughs) to worry about paying my bills. Right. And, you know, to answer your question, like, um, So my dad was um, like a freelance photographer, but, you know, never like on a huge scale, right? Um, And my mom um, opened up a cleaning business in Boston. And I actually learned so much from her and her business because she was able to 
grow her company completely by word of mouth, right? So she is not computer savvy at all. Um, she started off cleaning for, um, my sister was working as a nanny at the time and her cleaning company um, fell through for the holidays. And my mom was like, I'll clean for you. She did such a great job that, you know, she referred some of her friends. My mom was actually a general manager for um, like a coffee shop at the time. Um, and, you know, her clientele started growing. So eventually, you know, she quit her coffee shop job, started, you know, growing her company a little bit. It never got, you know, super, super big, but she was able to have, you know, like the freedom of time. Um, but, you know, I always saw like how hard my parents worked at their jobs. But as far as like having, you know, like mentors or like people to like, you know, show me the way. Uh, I never really had that. Like, I kind of had to, like, navigate these waters on my own. And, you know, I remember, like, sitting in my guidance counselor's office, um, just, like, in tears. Like, I was distraught because I didn't know, like, what I was going to do with my future. You know, like, I remember being in high school, just, like, crying, you know, telling her, like, what if college isn't, like, the right option for me? Like, what else is there? And like, she really like looked me in my face and told me, you know, that if I didn't go to college, I would never be successful. And, you know, she told me, you know, the stats of, um, you know, graduates versus non-graduates. And, um, you know, I, I think I was very lost for a long time, um, especially like, you know, going back to, I told you guys about how I first got started on MySpace. Mm -hmm. My mom didn't see you know, the value in like me learning how to code, right? I was 14 years old and I could code like a whole website. She didn't know that I was playing with like a six figure hobby, right? She just thought I was spending too much time on my computer. And, you know, when I started selling stuff online, I don't think I mentioned this previously, but um, at, at one point I was selling jewelry that I was making and people were sending me money in construction paper in the mail because I didn't know about online payments yet. And, you know, instead of like encouraging an entrepreneurial journey, my mom told me that, you know, I was going to find murderers and people were going to come to my house. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, unfortunately for me, like I, I kind of had to, you know, like navigate these waters myself and figure it out. But I think um, one of the things that has motivated me so much and, you know, like really been like the fire, um, is being from a third world country. You know, I think a lot of times, like people that are born and raised here, they really take all of the opportunities for granted. And, um, you know, like I have family in Brazil that could never do what I'm doing, you know, just because the laws are so different. Like you, you can't, you know, start like, you could, you could turn on your computer and start a business right now. Like it's not that easy in other places, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, just like seeing everything that like my family had been through, like how could I not like make the most of the opportunities that are right in front of me today? Mm. And, th and the reason I asked that question was, I mean, that, that's, that's a hell of a perspective right there, but I was just trying to gain insight better on the way you think. Cause I know it's not the norm. And typically like from my experiences, people that come from third world countries, they have that's, they they use they usually do really good in business when they go that route because they have a completely different level of appreciation mm -hmm. for just the simple things. Because mm -hmm. usually Americans, we fucking like I said on Twitter, we fucking spoil brats. And it even took me going out overseas to the to the Middle East for me to appreciate the small luxuries we have here. Like I talked about, 
Oh, they almost almost got arrested for fucking eating a burger mm-hmm. during uh, Ramadan. I'm a fucking silly American. I I ain't know. I didn't. I wasn't thinking nothing of it. I'm just like, what the fuck? They came. They was like, no, you about to go to jail? I was fucking. I'm like, oh, oh shit, for eating a burger, right? I'm like, that's crazy. But like in America, if that happens to somebody here, they will fucking lose. They will fucking lose it. They wouldn't even know how to deal with it. So it's right. like, and that'll probably be a lawsuit. Like we have. <laughs> Spoiled here. We can do nah, we so spoiled. It would definitely be a lawsuit. It would be, a, it'd be on Twitter. They talk about they try to go viral. I'm like, yo, relax. But yeah, that's so that's 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 so dope. That was that uh, perspective you just shared. That's that's super dope. And uh, what it was something else I want to ask you too before we, before we wrap up. I can't remember what you want to say. Something? Before, damn, what was I gonna say? Do this I do this. I always forget what I'm going to say. I be having so much going on in my mind. I just, then it just. Yeah. I, don't know. I know it's like the same thing happens to me. I think faster than I speak. Yes, yeah. By the time you're done talking, I'm like, shit, I forgot what I was going to say, and that just happened to me too. I was going to say something else, and now I can't remember either. I can't remember what the fuck I was going to say. This always happens. Like, like that's exactly what it is. I think faster than I talk, and then I get done talking, it's like, oh shit, it just, it just flew out my brain. But no. I, but no, I think um, like how, like just pretty much your background is what what I was gonna say was pretty much with habits. That's why I asked you like your background pretty much because well, people like in America that typically come from a household where their parents are entrepreneurs, I'm always intrigued on like okay, where does this come from? Because it takes a, a course of habits and things to happen for you to really have it and be success, successful at it. Because I feel like sometimes as an uh, entrepreneur, if you don't have that background, and I could be wrong on this, but this is just my theory, I feel like you kind of like lock yourself away for a while just to reprogram your mentality to mm-hmm. thinking as an entrepreneur. Because if you didn't see it coming up, your parents wasn't like uh, trying to help you. It's like, where the fuck is that going to come from? Mm-hmm. So I always, <laughs> what you think about that? Definitely, like you need to experience that mind shift change yeah. And I, I definitely had, you know, like a period of like enlightenment when I started to look at things differently. Um, you know, luckily, I've always loved to read. And, you know, I was the type of student in school, like I would go check out textbooks and like take my own notes. Yeah, right. Like I enjoyed like learning. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I've always had, you know, that like foundation part of my character. But um Oh God, what was I about to say right now? <laughs> Hold up, here we go. God damn. Um, <laughs> it's contagious. The question was Can you can you repeat the question? What did I say? I said I'm pretty much talking about pretty much reprogramming the mind and like okay there we go yep yep mindset mindset okay so I've always loved to read right so I think back in like 2012 um I read a book called um outwitting the devil and I I know I talked about this on Twitter Mm -hmm. recently and I'm about to mention another book that I talked about today too but um there was a chapter in that book where um well, actually, like throughout the whole book, actually, you know, he talks about, um, you know, how like we're being programmed to like fit into like a certain mold. And that book was like kind of like turned on like a switch where I became, you know, more interested in learning about, you know, like, okay, 
maybe I only believe this because this is what I've been taught to believe, right? Mm. And then, um, you know, I've always loved to read. So I, I read this other book probably in, I think, like 2013. Um, and it's called The Fast Lane Millionaire. And everybody has to read this book. Okay, this book, um, he talks about how there's three different lanes, how there's like um, the, the sidewalk, the slow lane, and then the fast lane. And um, I'm not going to go off and ramble, but, but basically, you know, reading these books, you know, kind of just like opened up like a whole different portal for me. And around the same time, I also read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I started learning, like, you know, my parents were poor. So, you know, I started learning about, um, you know, like a perspective, like a, like a wealthy dad's perspective, I guess, because I never had wealthy friends. Like I never had, you know, wealthy family members, like not one single person when I was growing up, you know, was able to like put me on or, you know, like teach me certain things. So when I read this book, you know, like I said, it like opened up like a whole different portal where I then, you know, started going like on Google and researching. I ended up finding um, The Secret, started learning about, you know, the power of positivity, the power of the law of attraction. And um, that's really like when my life started to change, like when like my mindset started to change first. So I think, you know, if there's anybody out there that, you know, knows they want more for themselves, but like knows that they're lazy, right? or like knows that they think negatively, um, like definitely start working on your mindset first. Because I think, you know, for me, between the years of like 2011 and maybe 2014, like I just took in so much like knowledge and information. And like, I was on like Reddit, I was on Yahoo Answers, um, just, you know, like reading about mostly um, you know, like the power of positivity, the law of attraction, like mindset stuff, like thinking positively, um, as well as, you know, like trying to teach myself like about business, I would look up like investing, like, you know, how to invest for beginners, like I didn't have a single person in my life to teach me these things. So, you know, I was just researching everything. So, you know, like just immerse yourself, like mostly, like in that mindset stuff first, because for me, like, that's where it all started was, you know, surrounding myself online and in books um, with people that, you know, had like a, a, a more clear mindset or like a better mindset, I guess, than the people that I was brought up around. Mm, I love that. And that's just because like same, same for me, books change my life. And I feel like reading is so, it's so important, especially if you come from a, a not so well environment, because it, it gives you the opportunity to escape it mentally. And you can see right. like, you get to see outside of your immediate surroundings like if you in in a shitty environment all the time you might not think like it's life outside of that but once you start reading it's like it opens up your mind like whoa shit like this is possible i didn't i, I didn't even know this. i didn't know this so then you start imagining shit and you just start your mind get creative you're like damn i think i could do these things mm-hmm. and right. then i i can't believe how many people i meet that you know tell me they don't like to read right especially where I'm from, like the city I live in, people just don't like to read. And to me, it's like, I don't know what's worse. I don't like to read or I don't like to drink water. It's like, (laughs) what is wrong with you? And I mentioned earlier to y'all that I went live in my Facebook and um, I started reading to people. And, you know, like, I I was just like, if y'all are not going to read, like, I'm going to read books that I think y'all need to 
experience, you know, because there is just a world of information out there. And, you know, so much of what I know, I learned in books. And it's like, you can get a library card for free. And people are just like, no, I don't want to read, you know, and like, unfortunately, like, it's sad, because it doesn't always come from them. You know, it's their parents that didn't, you know, put them into reading. And, you know, I'm so grateful, like my dad took me to the bookstore every Saturday, you know, every Saturday, I was there buying a new book. And that just like instilled this like love of reading that I've been able to carry. And, you know, I do that with my son now so that, you know, when he's my age, he loves to read. Mm, that's a, yeah, that's, I love it. I love, yeah, same here. I used to, I used to always see my dad read. My dad used to read all the time. Mm-hmm. He's always read like religious books and stuff. And he just had like these big ass bookshelves in the house. So it was just like ingrained in me just because you, if you see your, 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 uh, your parent doing it innately, you're going to do it. Even if it's not the same thing, you're going to read them. My dad used to force me to read newspapers on Saturdays and shit before I went outside. Mm-hmm. Just be like, read this, tell me what you learned. I'll be back in and 30 minutes. You so. would probably be annoyed back then. Oh, I was pissed. But, but <laughs> now you recognize that that and probably yeah. so many other things that he did, you know, just molded you into this character that you are today. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially when it comes to finding information because it's a never ending, never, it's never ending until you die. You got to be constantly looking for information. At least that's how I think. I'm always trying to learn something new because every time I read something, it's like, damn, I know this. Yeah. I feel like I I felt like I knew it all. Now I I ain't know this. All right, now it's on to the next. And that comes with I actually, Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say that comes with talking to different people too. Yeah. And networking. Yeah. I always say that um every room you step into is a classroom and every person that you talk to is a teacher. Mm, that's... And you know, I try to teach my son, you know, that um school is not the only place to learn. You know, like I try to take him on trips, like I've dismissed him from school you know, to take him like places to experience cool things because I try to teach him that, you know, you don't go to school to learn, like you, you live your life to learn. And I actually had um, a planner in 2016 and you just reminded me of that. Um, and every single day it asked me like, what did you learn today? what did you learn today? So I think, you know, it's very important for us to always be, you know, on our toes, learning new things. And this applies to, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, Um, You know, some people think like, oh my gosh, thank God I'm done with school. But like, that's when real life begins. Like you have to be a lifelong learner because things are changing so fast all the time. You have to be reading to be like updated with what's going on. Cause like, you don't like to read. If you don't like to learn, like you are already way behind. Way behind. And you're not going to get the, you're not going to get all the information from subtitles and little quick pieces on fucking social media. Mm -hmm. Cause you see, you you see that all the time. People would be like, "Oh, did you, I found out?" Or you did you hear about this? And you'd be like, "You clearly you didn't read the whole story, did you? You didn't click okay. the link and read the entire thing." My biggest pet peeve: <laughs> people on Facebook love to share articles without reading them. Without reading them, and like, yeah. it happens all the time. People would be like, "Oh my God, it's a storm coming on Tuesday." You open the articles from 2013. Like, oh, open this. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> no, Max. That's one of my pet peeves too. It's like, oh y'all motherfuckers, y'all hate to read. But social media just makes everybody's attention span super short. Yeah, your attention span, like, very, very short. You got, like, five seconds. Yeah, but one thing that I recommend, you know, there's people out there that, you know, want to start working on reading. And um, they have um, book summaries, right? So they have, like, 30-minute book summaries where, like, it's a book that you buy, but instead of being, like, the whole book, it's a condensed version. So, like, start reading those. 
or um medium also there's an app that i love i pay five dollars a month for it so worth it but people write extremely informative articles on there and then on the top it'll tell you like this is a three minute read five minute read six minute read you know just start reading articles and you know because i used to do that in high school middle school i used to be on google ask jeeves way back Yep, I used to ask all kinds of all questions. All kinds of stuff. Yep, and I would read articles. You know, eventually I started like reading like big, like um, long books. But you know, you anybody can read a four minute article. You know what I mean? So like, if you know that you don't necessarily love to read, just you know, start reading articles. Yeah, that's what, man. Ask Jeeves, shit, man. I used to ask Jeeves like anything. Like, how tall is a giraffe? How much yep. this like I used to be asking, like I, my mind used to just be crying. I used to just be wondering, trying to figure out everything. So damn, I forgot about that. But even, but even like just like I'm gonna say this real quick. Even when I hear people say like they don't like reading, like how I look at it is, I feel like because that's basically saying you don't like information, and I refuse to believe that people don't like information. And what I think it is is growing up in the school system, the curriculum is so boring. You equate reading with just that curriculum. You know what I mean? So you think like every time you think of reading because the bullshit they had you reading in school, you're like, right. I don't like reading when it's really, you just didn't like those books they had you read. Right. But they if you never... find something that you're interested in, it's a wrap. It's a whole different ball game. <laughs> yeah. whole, a whole different ball game. It opened up a, a well. You're like, oh shit, let me find right. another book similar to this. Like some people will say that reading is fun. Reading is entertaining. I'm one of those it people. Is. It is. You know? So it, it's, just, it's just definitely about, you know, reading the material that you like. Mm-hmm. You gotta find your niche with it. Yep, yep. yep. And uh, before we wrap up, I don't want to go on too long. Do you have anything other, uh, any other topic you want to touch on that you didn't touch on? Oh man, that's a <laughs> that's a big question. It is. It is. I just want to make sure we get we get um, we, we get everything that you want to go over. I think I think we covered a lot of it. Of course, when we end this, I'm gonna be like, "Damn, I should have said that." Right. But I'll turn right. it into a thread or a live on Twitter. So okay. just make sure y'all follow me. <laughs> we we all yeah we always and we'll be linking up more. We'll be doing more lives. We'll be doing more stuff. So yeah, I'm really coming. excited to get together in March and put together some content. That's oh, we about to we about to have a, we about to have a ball. <laughs> we, we about to have a ball. It's gonna it's gonna be so much fun, and I'm excited to. Uh, to do it for the for the for the kids. I don't mm-hmm. sound cliche and corny. Doing it what for the kids, kids, but that's what it's for. <laughs> but that's what it's for. I love doing shit like that because I know that they need it. I know I needed this shit when they I was younger. Exactly. Right. So. I didn't have it. I wish I had it. So now exactly. you know I try to be the person that I needed when I was younger. So exactly. that's how I try right. to carry myself. That's the perfect way to say it. And yeah. before, but before we before we wrap up, do you mind just? No, well, first we want to say. You already know we really appreciate you. Yeah. You know we we value this bond and this friendship we've been creating the past couple of weeks, and we just want to say we 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 riding with you with anything. We appreciate you for anything. You already know that. Thank you so much. It's definitely <laughs> mutual. I love y'all. You already know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, glad we finally made this happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And uh, before we wrap up, do you mind letting the people know where they can find you? Like you said, you got uh, you already got an ebook out where they can follow you. All that good stuff. Yeah, so y'all can find me I'm primarily on Twitter. I'm there every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> my hat is um, C-V-R-L-N-E. And then I'm on Instagram under the same name. And y'all can find me at carolinelawless.co as well. Cool, cool. That's, that's all we got for you. Like I said, we appreciate you coming on. 
we ain't gonna hold you on too much long. I know you you a busy woman, so thank you. Thank <laughs> All right, you. y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, amazing. I'm so excited that yeah. I'm finally a <laughs> member of the You alumni. You alumni. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right sis. All right, bye, y'all. And wrapping up, for those who are not following me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. And you can follow me on Instagram at Deanna Kent. And you can follow me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent. You can also follow the Million of Mindsets podcast on Twitter and Instagram at M Mindsets Pod. Once again, that's the letter M and the word Mindsets and Pod, P-O-D. And that's all we have for you guys. Appreciate appreciate y'all for tuning in. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. A whole lot of shit on the way. On the way. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.